Welcome to the Inspiring Young Aspirers podcast. I'm your host, Billy Garton Jr., a 21-year-old entrepreneur and professional athlete. On this podcast, we'll be interviewing some of the most successful world leaders in their space in both business and sport, people who've amassed success, wealth, abundance, and most importantly, happiness, often after fighting incredible adversity. The hope is that through this podcast, we're not just going to inspire you or motivate you, but rather through the tips and hints that my guests share, spur you into action. If you're young and motivated, join me on this journey as we ignite the passion through some of the world's most inspiring stories. You know, when you wake up every day knowing exactly what you're striving for, nothing can stop you. Today I spoke to David Meltzer. In the next 25 minutes, you're going to learn how time is a man-made construct that we should avoid using when setting goals. You're going to learn the difference between optimism and delusion. And towards the end, we discuss how important it is to have a relationship with both money and happiness. If you find this episode valuable, make sure you subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. As we attempt to make this a top 25 business podcast, your support means the world. Now let's dive into the episode. If you attach your happiness to an outcome, you can come close, but you'll never get there. My guest today believes in the power of happiness, not in reaching your goals, not in wins and successes, but throughout the entire journey. David Meltzer needs no introduction, but for the few of you who don't know him, David is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing, previously served as the CEO of the widely recognized Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency, which was the inspiration behind the world-renowned movie Jerry Maguire. David, along with Lee and his current partner, Hall of Fame NFL quarterback Warren Moon, has negotiated over $2 billion in sports and entertainment contracts. He's a three-time international best-selling author, a top 100 business coach. He's an executive producer of Entrepreneur's number one digital business show, Elevator Pitch. He's the host of the top entrepreneur podcast, The Playbook. Not to mention, he's been recognized as the Sports Humanitarian of the Year Award. He's been featured in virtually every news source under the sun, from Forbes to the Huffington Post to ESPN, you name it. But on top of it all, and aside from all of that, his life's mission is to empower over 1 billion people to be happy. Such a simple yet powerful message has allowed him to embark on an unbelievable journey, providing the one thing that everybody craves, which is value. For the past 20 years, he's been providing free weekly trainings to empower others to be happy. And today we're going to touch on all things mindset and what it takes to reach the levels and heights that he's been able to achieve. David, thank you so much for coming on. We're incredibly humbled to have you here. 
I'm incredibly humbled to be here and what a great way to enter. What a fantastic introduction. I do so many of these and you're right up there with Tom Bilyeu. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, I'll get to his level and your level one day, I'm sure. First I'm off, sure David, too. I want to touch with you on happiness. You talk a lot about happiness. For my audience and me as a person, success has always just resonated in your head all the time. So how do you become happy first when all that consumes your brain is your in, and your gut is this thought of, of success? Yeah, we have to shift the paradigm of that happiness and success from attaching it to these outcomes. I'll be happy when I graduate. I'll be happy when I make my first million. I'll be happy when I get that job, when I get that promotion, when I get married, when I have kids. The list will go on and on. Yeah because I've been there and I had that list and even worse, I attached money and the meaning and relationship that I had with money to buying happiness, right? Money to me would buy happiness because the only thing that was missing in my life was money. And I was already happy. And, you know, my mom who raised six kids and, you know, two bedroom apartment uh, was only time I wasn't happy was when she financially stressed. So that relationship changed because I started to realize that money doesn't buy happiness. It allows you to shop. And if you shop for the right things, you'll be happy, but you need to enjoy the consistent every day, persistent without quit pursuit of your potential. When you start attaching your happiness to outcomes, it's usually because you don't know your outcome. You don't know your what you're trying to satisfy what other people want for you. You're voting for what other people want and you keep electing what other people want for you. And not only aren't you happy, but you end up resenting the people that wanted it for you because you ended up getting what they wanted. Yeah. What an unbelievable answer that was for everybody. Um, Second thing, David, a lot of my guests that have come on here have lost everything. They've they've achieved enormous success and lost everything. I know you talk about it massively. I saw an Instagram post from you the other day that said, I don't think it said you've never met anybody who's been successful that hasn't failed miserably at first. And so, you obviously you have this such such a glass half full mindset and mentality now back then when you failed did you have that mindset then or did it only come now that you're looking back in hindsight no no i've always had i it's funny because my grandfather i called him papa yeah and i uh, they would call me the toptimist right uh, <laughs> i was the top of all optimists but my papa i called him the poptimist because he was one level the poptimist he was one level above the toptimist everything it wasn't the glass being half full it was overflowing at all times yeah uh, but i had a terrible relationship with money i didn't feel worthy of everything i had but i always looked at the best of everything uh always looked for the brightest in everybody uh which was some lessons as well because you know, a couple of things that I learned. If you are an optimist, it's very difficult to receive. Uh, and so my relationship with giving, for example, has shifted over the years from, I used to believe the more that I give, the more I'll get. Very optimistic attitude. I don't believe that anymore. And some people are like, what are you talking about? Of course, the more you give. No, 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 no. The more you receive, the more you can give. And that little, you know, slight nuance of difference takes you from a world of just enough, where there's just enough for me, buying things I don't need for impressing people I don't like, to a world of more than enough, where everything comes through me for others with appreciation. And appreciation is a duality. It's gratitude, right? I'm thankful for everything I receive. But even more importantly, what I learned is to appreciate it by adding value to what I receive 
by my own personal experiential giving and receiving value, skills, knowledge, and desire. When I add appreciation to what I've received and give it away, that's happiness. So where do you define then the difference between that and delusion? The difference between optimism and delusion? Because for a lot of my audience, again, who are probably just starting out in their journey, they don't have much to be optimistic about yet. So where do you define the line between optimism and delusion? Well, first of all, there's a blend of the pragmatic world, math, right? That's how we know of delusion and faith. Yeah. So the pragmatic non-delusional person will say, I'm not where I want to be. There's a percentage of suck in my life. And I'm on a journey, a pursuit of finding the light, the love and the lessons in the suck. I believe pain, pain is an indicator. Yeah. And so I may have a lot of pain in my life, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, even financial pain, but just an indicator that I have a lesson to learn. And when I learn that lesson, like a turn signal on a car, I'm going to be moving in a different direction, a better direction to a better place, a better situation, or to make my situation better. So you can have nothing and still be happy as long as you're in the pursuit. You know, my friend Chris Gardner made a movie with Will Smith yeah. called The Pursuit of Happiness. I always tell him there's no such thing as pursuing happiness. Happiness is the pursuit. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Okay, then. So people who, because they could easily get confused here, the pursuit yep. of happiness. Happiness is something to you that you can't achieve any goal or you can't strive for any goal until you're happy in your day-to-day -day pursuit of those goals. Touching on goals, though, do you believe that those creating goals should have a monetary goal in relation to their age? Say, I want to achieve this by 25 in monetary terms, or do you believe that it should be more to do with the bigger why and the bigger purpose? No, no, no. I think we have all types of goals. I just utilize the laws of the universe and the laws of Goya in order to effectuate appropriate goals that don't have resistance, voids, and shortages. I'll give you an example. There's a big difference by saying, I want to have a million dollars by the time I'm 25, or I'd like to make more than a million dollars as fast as I can. One has resistance to it because it's incorporating a man-made construct called time. It's incorporating a man-made construct of limiting what you're going to make, right? I'm going to make more than a million dollars. That doesn't limit me. If I want to make a specific amount of money in a specific amount of time, it's actually creating resistance and voids and shortages. Maybe it's subconscious and unconscious, or it's just at an energetic or frequency level, but it absolutely, when you're mixing that blend from the pragmatic world to the faithful world, you can create these divergent interests. You can create a resistance, you can create a void, a shortage, an obstacle. Yeah. So I'm very careful in training young people, have the biggest goals. Number one, you cannot out ask the universe. I told, Quick story, I would uh, share my seat at the Laker game with a famous actress. She was in a movie way long ago called Heaven Can Wait. She's actually married to Cary Grant. Her name's right, Diane right. Cannon. Very famous lady, gorgeous 85-year-old woman. And uh, I, she said, well, you know, honey, how old are you? I told her I'm going to live to 111. I was born on January 11th. I'm going to die at 111 at 111 p.m. And she looked at me with this sad look. I'm like, what's the matter, Diane? She said, why are you limiting yourself? Right. And so I told them I'm going to live over 111. And uh, so that's the example. So, you know, set those goals. Just remember this when you set a goal. What we do is you start somewhere you don't want to be and you tell yourself, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm going to angle towards this goal. 
And I'm going to keep on angling towards it, knowing that not only am I going to go past that, but I'm going to have some better goal that's going to change as I'm angling around. So as long as you get started and be pragmatic about the fact you're in a position you don't want to be in, you want something better, then just keep angling towards what you want, knowing you're going to have something even better than what you want. So what do you say to those people who put time as a very important, as a vital aspect of setting goals? Because our entire life, whether it be assignments due in school, whether that be projects due in college, whether that be essays, everything is based on time. And you're very contradictory to those people who, who say that to set these goals, you need to have a time. Because I feel like in the day-to-day, without time, maybe you put off goals and, and you keep pushing them backwards. So what do you say to those people who say you need to have a set date to complete something don't use time use speed right speed creates acceleration so instead of saying i'm going to have this done by friday i'm going to finish this as fast as i can right why does it have to be friday you're limiting yourself maybe you can get it done by monday i did the same thing with my syllabus i just recreated time i went into every single one of my professors when i was in college this was at the advice of my older brother and i told people what my goals were i told my professor I want to get straight A's in college. I want to go to med school. Originally I did. I said, and so I want to get an A in your class. Uh, would you please help me? Right. And so I went in there and then what I did is I took the syllabus and I moved everything a week forward in the syllabus. So I went ahead and every paper that was due a week early, I brought it into the professor and I, right. I re-engineered time. Yeah. I finished my paper early. And I came in and I said, will you help me with my paper? They went through the paper, made my paper their paper. Of course, they gave it an A when I turned it in. All I did was make the corrections they told me to make. Right? These are simple ideas. You can, you know, what would you rather do? Double the amount of money you make as fast as you can or make a certain amount of money by Friday? I'd rather double the amount of money I make as fast as I can. These are limitless limitless goals that have the same objective it's just utilizing and leveraging the understanding of speed versus the construct of time yeah so riddle me this then the example that you just gave there you had one assignment to complete and then you had one more to complete someone like yourself who has 50 things to juggle at all one time you can't say uh, about everything i'm gonna do everything as quick as i can so where does that time management come in so i'm a student in my calendar and first of all, you know, uh, you're from Ireland, I take it? England, close. England, sorry. So I was gonna say there's a formula for luck. And I know my Irish friends love luck, <laughs> uh, but there's a mathematical formula of luck that says what you pay attention to and give intention to equals the coincidences that you want in your life. So I'm a student of my calendar. I study my calendar every day, what I planned, what I don't have planned and my sleep. And I pay attention to with a lens of productivity, how productive am I going to be? How much value am I providing? A lens of accessibility, how accessible am I to others and how am I accessing what I want? And of course, the lens of gratitude. Where do I find the light, the love and the lessons in what I'm doing? So yes, I have more than 50 things that I have and I'm doing them with a lens of productivity, accessibility and gratitude. I'm studying it. I'm not only giving it my attention, I'm giving it my intention to leverage the laws of attraction with the laws of Goya. If you don't know what the laws of Goya are, it's get off your ass, right? Nothing (laughs) happens until you move. And so I'm a big proponent of, you know, movement, action that creates energy, right? Energy in motion is emotion. Emotion is the conduit between you and the greatest source of light, love and lessons of all time. We unfortunately through our ego 
create interference to that. You need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior. Man-made constructs like time and space, they can actually create those ego-based emotions too, of fear, anxiety, shortages, voids, obstacles. They can create guilt, offense, resentment. All of these things slow you down. So that's why I believe in speed, meaning I want everything in my life to accelerate and exponentially grow with compound interest. And when I focus it on that, I know that negativity and positivity both can, can carry and continue with compound interest. But acceleration and growth is why people fail too. Yes. So, you know, for me, it's the big, biggest lesson that I can teach, especially young entrepreneurs, is that you will never know because your senses are too weak and your memory is even weaker, how you're growing exponentially. So I'll give you my lily pond example if you haven't heard it. Go but it. if I told you and you were on a, a business venture, that why don't we break it down into 20 segments and your business, you're going to be 100% of where you want to be in 20 segments. And if I give an analogy of a lily pond, you're at stage one, there's one lily on the pond, every segment it's going to double, right? So year, let's say segments are years in this case, year two, you're going to have two lilies, year three, you'll have four lilies. And then 20 years, I promise you, or 20 segments, you'll be 100% of the way there. 99% of the people on earth, they quit before they get to 25%. Of the 1% that continue, 99% of that quit before they get to 50%, leaving only the 1% of the 1% to get what they want in life. And I'll tell you why. Because when I ask the young entrepreneur, how long will it take for you to get halfway there? They all say 10 segments or 10 years. Not true. It takes 19 of the 20 segments to get to 50% of the way there, right? Because things in acceleration and exponential growth double. It's how I built my audience. I, I met with Gary Vee three and a half years ago and told him I want two ambassadors in one year. I said, what are you talking about ambassadors? What platform is that on? I said, <laughs> on every platform. I want people, two people from everything I do. I want two people out there that says you must watch David Meltzer. You must follow, love him like I do. He's amazing. I just want two people to do that every single year to find two more people. And he's like, really? I said, yeah. I said, because in 20 years, when I'm 70 years old, I'll have 2 million people, which is my hundred percent, you know, yeah. getting two, 2 million more ambassadors every year. And then at the next year, when I'm 71 years old, it'll be 4 million people getting 4 million ambassadors. By the time I'm 72, I'll be one of the most popular people on earth not just with followers, right? I'm not talking about dancing bears on TikTok. I'm talking <laughs> about ambassadors, people that are empowering other people to learn how to be happy, changing the whole world. That's what I'm talking about. And it all is like Noah's Ark, just two people a year. That's yeah. all I have to empower. So where do you see the two Ps then? Perspective and patience, because you're talking a lot about speed here. You're talking yeah. a lot about speed and there's, and for the audience to not get confused with speed and also lack of patience, which a lot of people do get and then eventually burn out. Where do you see those two? So patience comes with allowance. And so this is part of the detachment process of detaching your happiness from an outcome. So the biggest conflict that people have, especially younger people, but everybody has it, is how am I ferocious Buddha? Meaning how can I wake up every morning with just like a pit bull in a China shop, you know, yeah. like everything I got, but be patient for it to come, right? How, how yeah. can I do that? 
right? And so that is a practice, right? You have to practice because it is in conflict with the fact that, you know, I'm a ferocious Buddha. I'm ferocious about making things happen, but I'm a Buddha about waiting for them and being patient for them to happen. Detaching is very, very difficult because you're dealing with the same emotion and giving it a different effect. So that to me is one of the greatest blends. Monetarily, the two currencies are hard to blend. Money is a currency, an object of energy you put into the flow to get what you want. Faith is a currency that you put into the flow to get what you want. Those two things have trouble blending with one another. Patience and persistence, patience and perspective give each other great conflict because it's so hard to, you know, really go at it and yeah. allow the outcome to happen. Yeah. It's like it's like playing in a, in a game and being the most competitive one on the field and then not worrying about the score. Think about it. That's what people ask you to do when you're building a business or trying to accelerate and grow. It's like playing a game at the highest level with the most competitive nature and not c- caring about the score, not even looking at the scoreboard who's winning. Just allowing the win to happen. The win that's to happen. that's yeah. tough, man. That's tough. But if you can do it, I promise you, you will accelerate and exponentially grow at such a rate compared to anybody else. Do you have any specific tips then to help people do that? I do. I have five tips that helps people. Number one, take inventory of your values every day, personal, experiential, giving and receiving values. Don't worry about them being balanced. Let them be unweighted and unbalanced at any time. And also, don't be afraid of being a hypocrite. Don't be afraid of telling people you don't know what you don't know. You were wrong yesterday. You changed your mind. Things happen. Things change. You learn things. So go ahead. Number one, take inventory of your values. Two, make it a regular practice to ask and attract, meaning ask people how you can be of service or of value and ask as much as you can. Do you know anybody that can help me? There's no gatekeepers, only sponsors and power sponsors. I take the perspective that everybody's here to help each other. We're all connected. Tree has no branches. One branch would not fight another branch. Three, be a student in your calendar, productivity, accessibility, and gratitude. Four, do it now. 100% of the things you do now get done. The difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is successful people get things done. So do things now. If you can't get it done, put it in your calendar and study it tomorrow. And then finally, you've got to practice ending fear. In the order to be a ferocious Buddha, you have to, number one, identify what puts you in the state of fear of interference, void shortages, and obstacles, corrosion between you and the greatest connection of light, love, and lessons. You've got to learn what your needs are. For me, the need to be offended, resentful, angry, frustrated, anxious, separate, inferior, superior, guilty. All of these needs of the ego, I have to, number one, identify. And when I do, I have to be ferocious about stopping not accelerating in the wrong direction, creating those void shortages and obstacles that I talked about and dropping down like a Buddha, breathing, going ahead and ask myself and learning the lessons of why do I feel this way and practicing that, knowing that I'm human and have to practice it tomorrow. I just want to reduce the amount of time it takes to get to center. And when I get to center, once again, get out of the Buddha state, get back into that ferocious state, the law of Goya in place in the right trajectory though, with effortless, resistance getting what you want at a rapid and accurate pace yeah you talk about doing things now you said that in number four you said about doing things now i want to ask you something because sam ovens has a warm-up he calls it a warm-up i don't know if you've seen it Um, and it's basically defining what's most important and doing that first i've struggled with this in the past i'm sure many millions of people have struggled with this too 
it's not that they don't do things because they, they fill up their day and they do everything, but they don't feel like they're getting anywhere. So do you see prioritization in terms of what's going to bring you money the quickest? Or do you see prioritization in terms of what's going to help you progress towards your ideal end goal? As I mentioned earlier, right? Take inventory of your values every day. Let them be weighted. Don't be afraid of being a hypocrite. So yeah, I yeah. do. I think it was Roosevelt that said you have to prioritize by what's most important first and then what's urgent, right? Yeah. And so how do we determine importance? According to our values. So if you're not taking inventory of your values every day, lining it, finding what's synergistic and supplementary to your values, it's very difficult to prioritize things or even determine what's important. So taking inventory of your values ties directly into doing it now and being able, as Roosevelt uh, said, prioritize by what's most important first. And I do do that. Uh, I do it by having two routines, in fact. I have a daily routine and an adaptable routine. I'm a realist. I know that not every day ends up exactly where I can wake up at four and do everything that I want to do right on schedule. So I have an adaptable routine based off of my values of importance, putting my health first, knowing that I can't take care of anybody unless I take care of myself. I can't give what I don't have to my family. And then three, of course, being a student in my calendar so I can be productive, accessible, and gracious with all of the law of Goya activity that I do. Activity I get paid for and activity I don't get paid for. Wow. Last thing here, David, because I know you've got to run. 18 to 25-year-olds, what's the most powerful message you could give them? And before you you speak, for those who don't know, I'm going to put things in perspective. Nine months out of college, you became a millionaire. Is that correct? Correct. By the time you were 32... You were at well, over a hundred million. Hundred million on paper, and then yeah. you lost it all. Yeah. So, nearly every single person in my audience is not even at thirty-two yet. So we have the potential still to make it all and break it all. What's the most powerful message that you could give to somebody between the ages of eighteen and twenty-five? It's the exact same thing I tell myself every day: ask for help. Do you know anybody that can help me? Put it in your repertoire. Ask it of people in person, on the phone, via email, all media, radio, print, TV, social media. Ask for help. Ask for help. Find somebody that has what you want and ask them for help, either to give it to you or teach you how to get it. Ask for help. You can't out-ask the universe. You can't out-ask people. Make it the biggest number one habit you have. Forget the separation. When you ask for help, you're uniting, you're leveraging all the capabilities of everyone into one. You're becoming an investment of other people. They're going to have more to care about and put their attention and intention into your success, which will create a collective consciousness for you to be successful. Ask, ask, ask. That's unbelievable. Last thing, David, you're helping millions of people. You're talking about asking and giving advice. You are somebody who's helping millions of people every week through your free trainings. Talk a little bit about that, what they are, what you talk about. Sure. Uh, so every Friday for the last 20 years, I've done free trainings. It started sales training, but I give pragmatic advice, Q&A, to help people make more money, help more people, and have more fun with their life, giving them a mindset, a heart set, and a roadmap, actual pragmatic roadmap. I do BYOQ once a month, bring your own questions. So we get the whole spectrum of questions, and I do a pitch competition. So if anyone has a business and they want help, join me, register for the pitch competition. Go ahead. You can email me directly, david at dmeltzer.com. You can text me at 949-298-2905. We'll put those in the show notes. Please, everybody, join me live, 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time. 
to join the trainings live or the replays are on my playbook and other all over the place on YouTube, et cetera. You can watch all the trainings. They're there. And guess what? It's free. Not only is it free, it's me. It's free for you too. And it's free from one of the most valuable entrepreneurs out there, David. Thank you so much for coming on. What an inspiring man. No one is a better fit for the Inspiring Young Aspirers podcast. To everybody else, you know what to do. Give me a follow at Billy Garten Jr. And don't forget to subscribe to the Inspiring Young Aspirers podcast. I've said it once, I've said it twice, and I'm going to say it a million times. We're going all the way to the top. David, thank you so much. See you guys soon.